Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. My, where I'm really fueled is that it will be, it will be, it would have been my choice, right? To not listen to what everyone was telling me. It's like, I'm coming for everything that they all said I couldn't have. And I appreciate, like, again, I appreciate you. And I literally appreciate them, uh, coaches, teachers, my environment telling me, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you have a good enough arm to make it to the next level. I don't, you're a little bit small to play in college. Uh, this podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at INeedSOS.com. This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to getsome.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, so he's a Central Michigan grad, all right? He's a former San Francisco Giant baseball player, and after his third spring training, maybe this will be a hinge moment he talks about, he was cut, and then he and his wife ended up starting, and he's the CEO of Burn Boot Camp and Burn Media Company. So what they've done is they've built Burn into, and I'm probably going to get this number wrong, but over 300 franchises and another 300 for this year. It's one of the fastest growing franchises in the U.S. Now, my favorite part is they started in the parking lot in Charlotte, North Carolina. What they do is they focus on mindset, burst training, strength training, uh, nutrition, and then community. Look, look, really look forward to talking about that. He recently released his new book called Stop Starting Over, which was the number one bestseller health and fitness category on Amazon. He has a podcast, and if and also the next podcast that's coming is actually the Next Level Podcast. My guest revolutionized how people interact with social media by motiv- motivating his audience to love who they are today and who they will be tomorrow. Uh, we both have this in common that we can't stand New Year's resolutions. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> My guest today, I'm really excited about this, is Devin Klein. Devin, thanks so much for joining us, man. Dude, Doc, thanks for having me, man. I, I, it's, it was good getting to uh, hook up with you. Uh, look forward to having you speaking at our event um, here shortly in the YPO group. Uh, but it was great to meet you through through that group, and uh, I've just really uh, 
dove into your books and everything and fell in love with your philosophy. We're very, very like-minded, so this should be a, a pretty fluid and easy conversation. Absolutely, man. Well, let me start with this. So one of the things you talked about is what Burn Bootcamp does is they focus on the underdog in the fitness industry. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk yeah. about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great observation. I know you've done your homework because that's uh, you got to go deep to find that word, you know, uh, the underdog. Uh, because, you know, what I've noticed recently over literally like the last 13 months, 14 months is that the fitness industry isn't going, isn't, it's going in the opposite direction of all of the people that actually need the help. It's going in the opposite direction of that mom of four who's had three C-sections, who hasn't worked out in 10 years, who used to be a college athlete, who know, who's mentally still a college athlete, right. but physically not a college athlete. We're not getting we're not getting that from the industry. And so what I've, what I've really noticed and what burn Bootcamp really has done since day one doc is, is to, is to champion that underdog, that person that the rest of the industry is overlooking. Like statistically 16% of people in America belong to a gym or a gym equivalent, maybe an online membership or whatever. 16% of our 370 some million people. Right. That means there's the other 80 something percent are, what are they doing? You know, I mean, there's no reason that our, our health and, and our obesity rates continue to rise. And so the mission of Burn Bootcamp is to really spearhead and, and, and create a societal I think, paradigm shift into, uh, you know, s- stopping stopping the physical nature of, of fitness, stopping that from being the forefront of the reason why everybody does it, uh, because it's not even true. Like. There's so many people that I've trained that their goal is to feel good and then they and they are to look good and then they start looking good and they don't feel good because they're get, they're looking good based on uh, you know strategies habits routines that aren't going to ultimately serve them in the long run. So champion the underdog means go to go directly to the consumer that um, is that that isn't our ideal client and and convince them by through empathy through compassion through. Um, I think just genuinely caring about them that this is a place for them and they can feel comfortable here. They can belong here and everyone's going to know your name. No one's going to judge you. You're going to work hard. Uh, but that, that hard work is going to create uh, mental toughness. That hard work is going to create disciplines that transcend fitness into that, uh, place where fitness becomes a lifestyle. Uh, cause if you're always just chasing the goals of having a six pack or a squat PR or whatever, you're not really impacting your life that much and it's going to be superficial. Right. You know, in those concepts, they talk about like empathy, compassion. You know, I mean, that's that's helping the individuals build their own mindset. I mean, what have you discovered, you know, in all the franchises, all the states, all the people that you've impacted? What have you found to be that, you know, and I always say that like, there is never one thing. But what have you found to be some common themes about like that mindset that individuals that you're helping them out with? What changes? I, uh, the common, I think the common, the reason I think there's a, there's been a societal conditioning over the last 100 years because of mass media, right? Mm-hmm. Before, before distribution came up, before podcasts, before, you know, the commoditized distribution channels are here, like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you can go live anytime, anywhere. People have access to unlimited information. It didn't used to be like that. So for a hundred years, you have people sitting in New York City deciding what message to pump out across, you know, the entire, it, it was a conditioning of our society. Now what's happening, I think people are starting to realize that they have more options. And it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily, oh, you have to use this product and do it this way. And there's this narrow focus of energy that's required um, in order to 
maybe make a transformation, but you have so many options, right? Like mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many ways now that you can seek somebody who, um, truly genuinely wants to help you and you don't have to just, you know, follow the status quo or the masses anymore. So I think that mindset in general is just starting to shift and we're living through what is this internet connectivity era where everyone is now going to be able to find the exact thing for them, right? That one thing that plugs into their problem, that one solution um, is out there and people are able to find it now. And I think what's separating the shift from where we're at today, right? What that gap from where we are today from where we're going to be is knowledge. There's a big knowledge gap um, the internet's only been around for a little while now, and now everyone for the last 20 years has had access to unlimited knowledge, and now you can see it start to happen, right? Like, you see people, you see society start to shift. You see uh, Whole Foods and Harris Teeter going organic. You start to see it actually happen. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know we're going in that direction, and um, my mission is to is to reach out to those people um with compassion and empathy, letting them know that, hey, listen, this is the choice for you because we get you, we understand you. People who are like us are doing things like this to make their life better. So how important, man, is that community aspect that you all emphasize? Oh my gosh, I think it's everything, Doc. I mean, look, that's what we're built on. We started in a parking lot in 2012. I had $600 to my name. We had the Carolina sun. It's like 96 degrees in Carolina, right? It's like... And it's it's not, it's also ninety six percent humidity too, exactly, right? So exactly. we're we're outside and it's just me. I had uh, an old Dodge Challenger with a big burn boot camp blue sticker on it that I would blare my our gangster rap from that we had work out to, and my twenty one ladies. And you know, from that time, that was all we needed. We were built on culture. We were built on community. I didn't have the fancy equipment. I didn't have the technology, the wearables, the screens. Like I'm and today to this day, even though we can afford that stuff, we don't need it because all we need is each other. Right. And when you have some, I think the one thing that I've found to be true, working with thousands and thousands of people traveling to almost every state, seeing this in action is that all people need in order to find that little piece of belief that kickstarts the momentum cycle of positivity is one other person who genuinely encourages them and believes them. And that's what I try to do with all of my trainers, right, is mentor them to be that to be that light of positivity, that beacon of hope in their society, in their in their micro communities, that can just be an extension of our philosophy here. It only takes one, doesn't it? It does. It takes one person, man, to believe. Like, it took one person to believe in me. You know, one person to be like, "Hey, this uh, is a gentleman named Jeff. He owned uh, Advanta Clean franchises, and he was like, "Hey, this is." dude, this is amazing. Like you need to, this isn't just the gym. This isn't like, this is a very franchisable model. If you can learn how to recreate the energy, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, the the culture, if you can learn to recreate that, now you have something dangerous. And he was like, I know this is going to be a thousand unit concept. If you're willing to put the work in, it will be, uh, but it has the legs to it. Since that day, I'm like, well, he believes I can do it. There's no reason that I should be the one, the only one that doesn't believe it. You know what I mean? So in order to take that franchise, man, that, that what you've done, um, I mean, talk about the mental toughness from that standpoint about, you know, the vision that you and your wife had to have, the, the ups and the downs, the perseverance, all those skills that go into it. Can you talk about the mental toughness from that standpoint? 
yeah, when you're building something and you have audacious, ridiculous goals of being the best, the biggest, the, you know, the, the most impactful, like uh, my mission is to be the most impactful brand uh, to the he- health and happiness of this society yep. than, than that's ever existed, right? So when you have something that big, a mountain that tall to climb, you have to be able, not two things, right? You have to be able to reverse engineer that down to create like tangible goals that you can touch, that you can feel things. I call them sprint goals, like I like to run. So like, I like to have, that next half mile, I like to know exactly where that is. I like to see it out in front of me because if I can touch it, I can feel it. Then I know that, um, you know, oh, that's where I can focus. I can put my energy and effort to just taking that next step. Sometimes you take the wrong step. Sometimes you deviate two degrees, go for six months, and then you have to rewind. And that hurts. It's painful, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. you have to realize, and I think everybody kind of has uh, any type of person, you, myself, you concluded that that has had success in their life understands that those people that it's just a different it's a different way to look at failure right so those people that are chasing it that seek it that 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 look for opportunities where they can be so stupid that they can fail those are the times when you're gonna pretty much just blow off any limits of what you're capable or not capable of doing because you're not scared of anything you're not scared of the judgment or you're not scared of the fear you're not scared of the failure you know what the other side of that failure looks like and you know like even though uh, it sucks right now. This really hurts, you know, losing a hundred thousand dollars in two hours, you know, because right. we chose the wrong supplement company really hurts. Uh, but now I know what to look for in supplement companies and we're going to be a lot bigger than a hundred thousand dollar organization there. So therefore I put my problem in perspective to the impact that it has in my life. And I think that that's really the formula is just like, what's your threshold of what you can control? And that's what mental toughness is. Um, you know, constantly expanding the problems that you're willing to deal with and how you define a problem. For me, problems are my best friend. Problems are good. Problems are things that people are like, don't say problems, say opportunity. No, it's a freaking problem. Call it right. what it is. That Losing $100,000 in two hours is a problem, people. We can't, right. we can't do this. This is not an opportunity. <laughs> like, let's get it right. Um, but it is, you know, and you look back and you, and you create strategies. So I think those two things, right? Just understanding that you don't know you don't have to know how exactly you're going to get to the top of that grandos audacious mountain that you want to build, but having the uh, forward thinking ability to not only create that mountain in your head and exactly what that looks like, but also to be able to know that that, that mountain is going to have some steep falls. You're going to have some cliffs. You're going to have some sharp edges. You're going to get cut up. And like, I feel like when people, the people that own that, the people that thrive off that, the ones that are attacking that those are the ones that like you better watch out for because they're unstoppable and really all we got to do right like i got a 50 mile race coming up all we have to do is just keep moving right just do it man just go keep going right keep I mean, moving that's right i, like I mean just keep moving and that's the part that i love about what you said man those two words man yeah keep i mean the, the rocks are going to be there you know you just like what are you going to do hey i gotta i gotta I got a hard sole in my shoe. I'll get resourceful. I'll take my shoe off. I'll start beating it. You just get resourceful. Right. You're going to run into things. like, And they're going to run into unforeseen things, right? Whether it's your health or your business, or your relationship or whatever. Um, and the, the ability to handle the spontaneity and do it with poise and do it with um, good character and good ethics, right, I think is, is very important. So, dude, mental toughness is something that – and I'm so thankful for you being uh, and doing what you do and, and putting the, the, the permanent literature down in the books that you write because it's a uh, it's a big problem and it's bigger than most people think it is and it's just if you can feel it it's just starting to gain popularity which you've been 
spending your entire career on is just starting to gain popularity, you know, societally. And um, I think it's important for guys like you and I to stick together. Absolutely, man. And I think, you know, we connect in that aspect because I can't coach myself. You know, I got to rely on you and I got to rely on the community. That's why no one yeah. gets there alone is, you know, is, you know, so popular and so impactful. And I, I never got it, man. I had to have somebody stop in another race to help me in order for me to get it. But I love that story. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's made a great story. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't like it at the time, man. It was a problem, but right. Of I mean, course. Um, you don't want to feel that. You don't want to feel the shame, right? Like personally of letting yourself, you know, like you just don't want to feel those feelings. But retrospect, uh and, and that was the thing, man. So going into every race now, it's like with the Ironman that I did last year, I went into the whole race. Who who can I help? Who am I going to be able to help? And then when that guy had a flat tire, man, I didn't hesitate for a second. I pulled over to help him. You know what? I'm sure he wanted somebody else, but I helped him. And, uh, man, I didn't really care about my time, man. I wanted to be of service yep. to somebody else. So, I mean, let me ask you a question. Before I ask you about your hinge moment, right, like uh, a couple of things we have in common. I know we have, like, addiction um, – you know, in, in our household and like growing up, right. You grew up in an abusive household. Can you talk about that? How did that shape you into, you know, you know, cause a lot of people use that as like shame and they don't want to share that, but how, yeah. did, how has that shaped you and, uh, you know, become part of your story? I think when you are able to appreciate and have gratitude for the things that both your environment, your parents, your, your surroundings did and didn't give it, give you is very important, right? So many people just focus on what they didn't have or what they didn't get. And they have resent, uh, resentment and shame, um, or, or just hatred towards and anger towards those environments or situations or people that define, help define them. I think for me, the first step was to get beyond myself and, appreciate and thank my parents in my case for the good things that they did too mm-hmm. right like i grew up in low income housing in the projects on food stamps my father in and out of jail my my mom left uh when i was a, a young boy and i had to go through a lot of things um that a normal 10 to 18 year old doesn't really have to ex- doesn't really experience um so for me at the time you think it's kind of normal uh, when you're that young and, and naive. And as you grow older, you realize that, hell, I'm dealing with some of the things at 13 years old emotionally that people are having to deal with when they run into it at 50, 60 years old. You know, so you start to, you start to find ways and angles to appreciate the past, right? You appreciate, like, my mother, who I haven't spoken with, I haven't had a conversation with, like, I probably have more love for her today than I did when she actually was in my household because I get it. Like it's, it's not, the world doesn't revolve around me. You know, you're your own person. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for putting me on this planet. Thank you for being born in this country and giving me the opportunity to be born in this country. So thank you for those things. Did you suck at some things too? Yeah. But Hey, you're a human being, Mm -hmm. right? And we get, and we move forward and we can get over those things. Now, now it's your choice, right? Now that the event happened to you, now what's the what's the emotion that you're going to decide to experience uh, that's attached or associated with that event? So I always said, listen, I can use my parents kind of, you know, be doing their thing, living the party, being in that drug, alcohol, um, you know, late night life, leaving their kids at home life type thing, you know, not taking them to school. Like I could even I could either live in that or I could live in, hey, you guys taught me a lot uh, growing up by leaving me on my own to fend for myself. And uh, so that really is the angle that I decided to take pretty young, you know, pretty young. I would say like uh, in terms of like 
being emotionally intelligent. I probably am higher on that scale than intellectually intelligent. I really can feel people and feel mm -hmm. myself and introspective. So it took a couple of years to kind of put that, you know, put those things together and think through, you know, why it happened, why, what happened, happened. Um, but I made that decision to use that to fuel me rather than to use that as an excuse to constantly go and, and relive the emotions of the past. Um, I don't do that. I don't think about the past a lot. Often people will have to remind me of stories that happened three years ago, four years ago, even in the good times, because like I'm never thinking about it. I'm yeah. always constantly defining myself by a vision of myself in the future. And I think that's a good trait to have, especially when you come from a, an environment like that. What do you think? <laughs> I like the technique. I'm not going to let you flip it on me real quick, man, because I want to follow up on that. You know, but absolutely. I mean, the okay. gratitude focusing on the on the vision of who you want to become because you. Well, made, I just know that you come from that that type yeah. of uh, environment too. You know. Well, I, I guess the follow up question I want to ask real quick, man, is um, talk about how that fueled you because, you know, what I've seen so many times is people that were told you can't do it develop the the confidence and the I'll show you mentality piece but how you know and, and sometimes society and where we're growing up and we're, what the situations we're in are, is telling us that we can't do it um how did that fuel you man i have dude i have so many chips on my shoulder not in a negative way right i just have so many things that i i don't want to prove it other people are going to see it i want to prove it to myself right more so than anything um because my my level of, I think, ability uh, dictates me at least giving it all I have, right? My level of talent gives me gives me the ability, the opportunity to do something really great. But, uh, you know, not everyone can can start a company in a parking lot and grow it to $100 million in four years, like, and impact that many people doing so. So given the talent and the threshold of control to be able to do that, I think that um, my where I'm really fueled is that it will be, it will be, it would have been my choice, right? To not listen to what everyone was telling me. It's like, I'm coming for everything that they all said I couldn't have. And I appreciate, like, again, I appreciate you. And I literally appreciate them. Uh, coaches, teachers, my environment telling me, no, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you have a good enough arm to make it to the next level. I don't, you're a little bit small to play in college. Um, I don't know. You're not quick enough to play. You know, like you're not you're not good enough. You, the environment, your home life isn't that great. You're not gonna have the money to go to college, right? Like you hear all of these things. Then you get to college, you're like, oh, now I'm here. I'm paying my way to go to school because I can throw a ball fast. <laughs> now they're telling me I can't go to the next level, and I'm like, okay, I'll show you. And you get to the next level, like you can't. You're not good enough. And people, you start getting that you're not good enough over and over and over. But when you make the decision to like each time somebody tells you that you can't, that's another little chip on your shoulder. Then you all then for me, I don't live in a negative state because of that. I live in a positive state. I live in like, okay, all of these things that you're telling me I can't do, watch me. And then when I do it, you're gonna ask me, Tevin, how in the hell did you do that? Yeah. And I it's not the revenge factor, it's the curiosity factor that I know those people who were naysayers are gonna come back around and say, I knew him when. And then they're going to say, how do you do it now? And they're going to go from you can't to how to, and it might take 10 years. Um, but you know what? Those chips don't go away once they're, once they're drained, do they? Um, and I love that, man. I love, you know, not using, I'm hungry, you know, 
Yeah, hungry. not, not using. <laughs> I get it, man. Um, I mean, not using that revenge factor too, but that curiosity factor. I like the way you really put that. You know, I mean, do you think with all the successful people that that you've come across, right? Do you think we need to have that situation or that person to actually tell us you can't do it? That's a dumb idea. Don't try it. Think we need that? I think people who are extrinsically motivated need that. I think those who are intrinsically motivated don't necessarily, you know, I, I need it. I'm sure it helps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. sure. And I'm sure that every successful, I, I don't know if there's a scenario uh, where there is somebody who's successful that has never been told, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? So I think that, um, for example, like Bezos and, and Zuckerberg are so intellectually intelligent in, in terms of like, you know, their, their true, their brain and their cognitive ability and their function, they're able to just solve their problem solvers and they're really smart. Like people telling someone they can't do that and they're doing math in their head that tells, you know, okay, whatever, you know, but like people like me, I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to um, bridge that gap between like intelligence and, uh, and an emotional activation. So for me, it's like, if anybody out there is motivated by, the emotions of people telling you that you can't, right? That's where I'm coming from. Somebody that's somebody that's so much smarter. It's like, hey, you can't build Amazon. Well, okay, well, watch me. You know, so I would say that I'm not, I'm not in that realm to 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 be uh, to have an experience where somebody was telling me I couldn't do something that on paper scientifically was going to work. Um, but definitely, I think from the emotional standpoint, is where you really get. Uh, you get a boost, right? Because yeah. emotion creates the motion. Absolutely, man. Um, but then you you also had then that that coach, then that individual that told you, "Hey, man, burn boot camp." I mean, you have something here. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, his name was Jeff Duden. He was amazing, and he grew his unit. He grew his uh, location count to like a hundred and sixty open locations, and he had been in the game for like twenty years or so. And so for me watching him, seeing him do that. And then saying like, Hey, you have your, your concept has a lot more legs than mine ever did. You know, they, they're cleaning houses and ducks and mold and that type of thing. Mine's like aesthetically pleasing and conducive to social media and like all these things. He's like, you can blow up. And it, all it took was his one little belief that, that I correlated with that little chip on my shoulder. That was like somebody else telling me I couldn't. And then now I have an external motivation that's com that's compounded with my intrinsic motivation, and that's where it's powerful because now everyone else is starting to believe in me when my environment used to not, and I'm believing me. They didn't used to. That created chips, so now I have intrinsic. They have extrinsic, and now, gosh, I'm unstoppable. Yeah. So one of the pieces that I always love asking about are, are these hinge moments, right? That one person, one event, one decision make all the difference in our lives. We don't know when it's happened. Sometimes we don't know until weeks, months, years later. What's the hinge moment that you can share? I have two really significant ones, and and, and the first one, uh, the first one is when I right when I got released from baseball, and I think I'm going to talk about that one uh, because that was a precursor to the second hinge moment, which was when I started for a boot camp in the parking lot for like that first time. Love I got it. skunked, like nobody showed up, and it was like at that point, like, hey, I got a bills to pay. What am I going to do? Uh, so I needed to make a decision at that point. That was a, a big hinge moment in my life. Um, obviously, we decided to continue forward. Uh, but pre a precursor to that was being released when I uh, walked in to the Giants uh, chief of baseball's office. That that three-minute conversation, you know, is 
like three hours in my head because my identity from the time that I was four or five, six years old, you know, my dad played, my dad was a great athlete. My dad played professional baseball with the Detroit Tigers um, before he got into, you know, his whole party life. And that was just born in me, right? From the time I was five to the time I was 24 when I got released, it's just like, your, your entire identity gets shattered in literally three minutes. Mm-hmm. And like the amount, like I was so stunned because I just had a good season. I was so stunned um, that I didn't really even say anything. Like I didn't even get a chance to thank them, uh, which I've done many times in retrospect. I didn't even get a chance to thank that. I was just like, I wasn't mad about it, you know, because I understand you have to do what you have to do. But when I got released, man, it was like, my identity just, it was like almost like your soul comes out of you and starts to fly away. It's like, I'm an empty hollow shell is how you start thinking. And then you start getting in those negative emotions of the past, sure. you know, recalling those memories and saying, okay, what's next? Am I going to go back home? And I going to end up like mom and dad, you know, am I going to have to be, go be a waiter? You're like what's, what's next for me or bartend. And, uh, man, that was a tough moment in my life. Uh, I was in my hotel room in Scottsdale, Arizona for probably three hours by myself after post release before my flight. And all I could think about, man, was just like, I'm, I, I, I have, the uncertainty was overwhelming. The uncertainty to know what was coming next was really overwhelming. Um, but my wife and I talked and she kept saying to me over and over and over. And I, this is one of those things you're talking about in retrospect. She kept saying, Devin, look how far you've come. You've beat all the odds. You've got a scholarship. You've got drafted. Like you've got money to play ball. Like keep moving, man. Keep moving. So she kept telling me, keep moving, like keep moving forward. She was there. And she was there telling you this. She was on the phone. We were on the phone together. Right. She was in Naples. But you're already, you were already married. We are. Uh, she, we had been together since we were 12 years old. So yeah. practically, but we weren't officially. Okay. Engaged. Okay. Got yeah, it. We got, got married it. a couple years but later. She was pouring yeah. into you. She was pouring into me, man. She always had, she, I mean, I was broke, right? Like you get paid like 800 sure. bucks a month to play baseball and like live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in your duffel bag. So she was paying my cell phone bill and, buying clothes and like doing, taking care of me. Um, so look, that was my main motivation. Like she was to go forward. Cause that, when you're at the all time low, that's the all time low of my life. When your identity is completely shattered is when people hit rock bottom, right? Or a manic state of depression or whatever it might be. I didn't get that far, but what it kept me going was like, Morgan has been here since day one. Like she has always been there, paid for everything, been like, unconditional love and support followed me around the country supported my baseball career i was never home right and we would we just had such a great relationship um and so i did it initially for her until i started seeing uh how satisfactory it was for me to take care of her instead of for her to take care of me and so that also you know helped kind of push that flywheel of momentum uh going in the right direction but that's definitely my hinge moment that time from when i got released to had a conversation with Morgan and she just kept drilling into me for probably 20 minutes before I got on my plane. Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving on my plane to Scott from Scottsdale to Phoenix or from Scottsdale to Naples. I literally came up with my first boot camp idea, right? I recalled all of those host families that I stayed with all the people that I encountered on my baseball journey for six years and realized how people were lethargic and overweight and uh, unhappy and how that uh, the lack of energy was all leading to like unhappiness and unfulfillment. And I, so I started correlating fitness, my ability to just innately be a leader with working with the everyday individual who, whose goal is to have, you know, just better quality of life. And that's kind of how it started. So on the flight back though, what was the idea, man? The idea 
from uh, the, on that flight, right? When I'm, I have a, I have a notebook. I'll show you sometime. And it's my very first one. It's a big purple five-star notebook. And the first one has uh, just three pages of keep moving because I had no idea what else to think. Yep. <laughs> it's like I have literally like that's why I put it on my tagline. That's why it's something that I say and I believe in, even though it's two simple words that anybody can say. It has a significance emotionally to me. And so I wrote all of that out and about halfway through the plane, once that kind of dirty water settled at the bottom of that bucket and my mind became clear, I started putting together how I was going to impact the world. And it didn't, I, I worked at DirecTV first, <laughs> you know, I didn't happen right away because I didn't have my certification and right, go get right. my, all my credentials. Um, and so I did that and then ended up uh, starting this boot camp called Lightning 900 that I literally concepted on the plane ride. And it was, you know, burn 900 calories lightning fast. And that was a parking lot gym, if you will, in Naples, Florida, that I ran for about 13 or 14 months before we moved here and I started burn boot camp out of what was then the second parking lot. I love it, brother. I love that, man. It's 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 fun to talk about, you know, just because you put it together in retrospect, right? It's never what it seems when you're in the moment. You know, the worst moments, man, they, they become our best moments, though. Isn't that the irony of life? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. That, like, looking back, I mean, how many things can we look back on and be like, man, that was hurtful in the moment, but I'm so glad that happened, right? If I was in the moment, I would never want this to happen to me again. But a year later, two years later, the effects, whether it be a lesson learned, uh, what to do, what not to do, whatever, whatever you learn from it, I think uh, you can look back on it a couple years later and just be like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that happened. So I know it's so hard to do it in the moment, but everybody, anybody that's listening to this, like the more you can stay present with yourself, the more you can not be defined by your emotions of the past, the more that you can be defined of, like by this, by this vision of yourself in the future. I think that's really how we stay on target with our mental and our emotional and our physical health and the congruency of all three of those things. We're in a great state. And so um, my one piece of advice for anyone trying to manifest any level of greatness in any vertical of their life is take your, give yourself the gift of five minutes a day to depict in your head exactly what that scene looks like, your success scene, whatever that looks like, depict that. Right. Play a little narrative over and over and over and over and over again. And science now is starting to measure the correlation between the reticular activating system, the way that you think and feel about the future uh, to it actually manifesting and also biochemically how it affects you now today. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, those types of guys. I don't know if you've done much research in that regard, um, but they're more of the esoteric now demystifying demystifying the science of visualization that everyone's been talking about for for years because it's just practical and people know it works because they've experienced it but now there's science behind it so gotta you have to be able to make time to to visualize what you want your life to be can you share with us um what's the vision for burn boot camp i mean it's to be the spearhead of 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 happiness happiness health and happiness uh and transformation across real transformation, lasting transformation, not only across the United States, but across the world. And, you know, over the next five to seven years, we'll have, you know, 2,500 plus locations over the next 10 to 12 years, we plan to have more than 5,000 locations. And I think taking the traditional franchising model where you can scale a message, message really fast because other people are partnering, partnering with you mm -hmm. and then doing things like we're doing connecting with other people in the field, 
who can then add value to that network, to that distribution. We get to then teach through our distribution channels. We get to teach mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational, sexual congruency. And it's not just about fitness, right? Because that's so shallow. Right. People go up, down, up, down, up, down. The reason yo-yo dieting exists is because nobody diets their mind first. Nobody gets clear. Nobody understands. I think, generally speaking, how important this battleground is and how your life is won or lost with the thoughts that you that you allow to yourself to believe. Um, and I think that Burn Boot Camp can help really put in put it put interject into the fitness industry tools that have that that aren't yet widely accepted. But that we know we're, that you and I both know we're coming to the fitness industry. Yeah. That large scale focus on mental health. We've been doing that since it wasn't even cool. And so I'm really excited to see what that looks like, you know, when we're at scale and we're the leaders. You you say battlefield of the mind. Why do why do you say that? Because it's a constant push and pull. It's a constant do I believe this? Don't I believe this? It's a constant who am I, who am I not? Where am I? Where am I not? There's a, there's so many unanswered questions. And you know, am I, is, was this my fault? Was this not my fault? There's the decisions that we get to make. And I think mm -hmm. those decisions, uh, often, often when, when somebody doesn't have clarity and intention and purpose in their life, they don't know how to answer the questions, uh, that in the decisions they have to make every day. And that guiding light, that North star that I write about in my book is that a lot of, uh, different authors and, and, um, uh, philosophers and thought leaders have, right. It's, it's, it's common that you need to have this vision of the future. And so, I think, I think when you do, when you have that North Star, you then know what your intentions are. And I think also there's a, uh, there's an energy that comes with the intention that you set out every day and you're visualizing that intention every day and recalling it every day. And it's, it's in front of you and it's there. When you're defined by that, then, you know, that's your guiding light to answer the dis daily decisions. You know, Hey, should I work out today or should I not work out today? What am I defined by in the future of my life? Being a happy and healthy person that raises three little girls uh, to go on to have successful lives. If that's your de definition of yourself, then you know the answer. Should I or should I not work out today, right? Because yep. you know working out is going to increase a better mood and going to you know translate to the people around you and blah, blah, blah. So that's how I would really navigate life is vision. What's the strategy? And then what are the tactics to help you get there? Thank you so much for sharing that, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. a, a lot of people, I mean, I don't do the podcast for, uh, for my followers or, or people listen to, it. I do it for myself. You know, I am, I'm man, I'm, I'm really selfish about this stuff. So, I mean, I love the knowledge, um, and the application of that. Cause that's the important part. Um, you know, this just popped in my head and I want to ask this question. What, what question, what question should I be asking that I'm not asking that you want to share? How, how do you create a life for yourself that doesn't exist, that seems impossible, that everyone would look at you and say you're crazy for thinking that? How do you, what is, what is the very beginning step to beginning to go from this pessimistic, negative, angry mindset to this positive, optimistic uh, vision of the future? How do you, like, how do you get from defining yourself from the past 
to defining yourself in the future. And I think there's a gap right there, right? You can't just like turn it on one day. Um, the, I think the gap is honesty. Because if you are constantly telling yourself lies that I'm this way because of this, which is actuality is not true, you never start to gain, you never get the courage to take take a step across that tightrope, right? Like if you were to imagine like where you're at now and where you want to be as two mountains, right? And a tightrope going across it, that tightrope is where everyone gets caught up because they don't know how to stop thinking thoughts in the past and start thinking thoughts in the future. And so in my opinion, and what I've seen work with a lot of people is you begin to cross that tightrope and with every step, you're getting more and more clarity. You're getting more and more confidence um, and that's in that tightrope is, is also known as honesty. You have to know, you have to know truly where you stand with yourself. You have to know if you're lying to yourself, you have to look in the mirror, ask the hard questions and, and be willing to momentarily allow shame to come in your life. Because the reason that we don't want shame is because we don't want to feel the pain because when we feel the pain for too long, it becomes a mood and we feel the mood for too long. It becomes a personality and then it becomes part of your character. Nobody wants to be a shameful person. So how do we allow shame in momentarily just so that we can get honest enough, create enough pain that it creates really, it creates momentum that it create. Like I never want to feel this way again. Right? Good. I know that now, what am I going to do about it? Right. But being honest, too many people lie to themselves. Too many people are saying I am this way because of that. And it's an external blame. Um, you know, if you're a business owner, it'd be like, Oh, my market is, my market is uh, oversaturated. My market doesn't have the demographics. Like you're looking outside externally everywhere, but yourself first step intrinsic honesty. Like where am I screwing up? What do I really want? Where am I screwing up? That's the first step. And when you can initiate that, then you can pick out those places of pain and you can highlight those moments of pain, right? Where you look at yourself in the mirror, you get disturbed with your body enough. You get disturbed with an image of yourself that you don't like enough where it creates this temporary pain and this temporary, you know, discontent. And we don't want to stay in that. Now you got to, now you got to replace it with something, right? And that's where action comes in. And so I think that's kind of that whole tightrope, but just to get on it, we got to be honest. And so number one thing practically look at yourself in the mirror and have that conversation magnetic people attract magnetic people man um right man i'm so glad you're uh impacting so many lives man because that was uh that was fantastic stuff man that's uh cool. making making the next book there too oh um, sweet thank you Devin, man thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate this and uh where would you like people to uh to follow you I'm always on my Instagram channel. Um, yep. I have a new podcast coming out, Next Level Podcast. I'm bringing, uh, I'd love to have you on too as well. I'm bringing uh, a lot of the world's best health and fitness professionals together. Uh, my friends, Chris and Heidi Powell, JJ Virgin, Mike Matthews, Joel Freeman is a beach body trainer, Autumn Calabrese, uh, some of the biggest names in health and fitness um, to kick off my version 2.0 of my podcast. So get ready for that. But if you want to, you know, check me out and, and conversate or you need help, like, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Devin with an A dot Klein. And, uh, you know, my wife and I are super good about making sure that we're conversating with the community because that's why we build the following on social media so we can help. So that's right, please man. feel free to reach out. And I'll put the link on there too, man. Thanks so much, right brother. On, hey doc, appreciate you, man. Awesome. Keep up the good work. I'm, I'm uh, better for knowing you and uh, reading your books. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. 
You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.